Hey, MW, it's Melissa. And Stephanie Carcace, the founders of Millennial Women and the hosts of Millennial Women Talk. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode, the Miami Contributors Roundtable Conversation. Today's podcast was recorded in beautiful Miami, Florida. In this episode, we have an open and honest discussion with three inspiring millennial women. Editor-in-Chief of Dysfunction Magazine, Huguette Montesinos, actress Tristan Potashnik, and journalist Natalia Bonilla. We chat about what it's like to move away from home, seeking equality of life, living with intention, being present, and saying yes to taking all the risks. Listen to some of our favorite quotes from today's episode. It always is about the minus, not what you're going to gain. Right, yeah. right. Fear is always based on the potential of failure. And I think failure isn't that people would respond poorly. I think failure is not giving them anything to respond to. And here's our full conversation with the Millennial Women Contributors of Miami. Welcome. So what's really cool is that these three ladies did attend our Millennial Women Talk event uh, last week. So it's very exciting to have you guys here. And they actually spoke. So it's nice to actually now go into the conversation a little bit more deeper as to everything that you guys had said that day. Um, so actually what I would love to do is if everybody can introduce themselves one by one, just so that way um, our podcast listeners can know who's talking. So you get, you can go ahead and start. All right. Well, thank you guys for having us so much. You know, just, it's such an honor to be here after such an incredible event. So many women coming together, um, but just, it's such a blessing. My name is Huguette Montesinos and I'm the editor in chief of Dysfunction Magazine, which is a publication and movement that was birthed in Hawaii while living there. And I've been back to Miami for about a solid year now, and I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> awesome. Um, my name is uh, Tristan Potashnik. Uh, thank you for having me again. It was amazing to be at the uh, Millennial Women Talk event and uh, get to be with a bunch of women. And I am an actor, uh, so this is always fun to connect with different women doing different professions. Mm -hmm. Okay, so <laughs> my name is um, I want to be an echo of all that you girls said. Um, I am also honored to be here. I want to thank you all. And um, yeah, I'm a journalist. I'm from Puerto Rico and I am changing careers right now. I've been spending um, the last three years outside of U.S. So now I'm back. Two months ago, I arrived in Miami. Very nice. <laughs> welcome to Miami. Um, get I want to start with you really quick because I think that your your story is actually very similar to mine in the sense that we were both born and raised in Miami, Cuban parents, and then we moved away. Now, you moved away to Hawaii, which is, to me, one of the most beautiful places in the world. It was such a hard task. <laughs> so hard. What a hard place to live. Um, but you moved there for 10 years. You lived there for 10 years. So why, why did you want to leave Miami? Um, well, I think during the time that I was growing up, sort of like in my teenage, early, uh, young adult years, I definitely felt a very strong disconnect with Miami. I felt um, like the bohemian lifestyle culture that I was looking for, that was a little more in tune with spirituality, um, with just more intrinsic value type of things, I didn't find around me. So whether it was in my direct group of peers or in the college I was attending, or even as I searched in like my spiritual groups and church in different locations, I just didn't find the type of depth that I felt that I was looking for. So, um, you know, the, the thought of being in a place where people were also a little more in tune with nature and kind of vibrating at a different level 
really intrigued me and interested me. So um, the true story why I ended up moving there was because I was previously married. I'm remarried now, but my ex-husband was in the military and he was stationed in Hawaii. So that's what originally took me to Hawaii. So I can't take full credit for having left just Mm -hmm. fully on my own in that way, but it definitely was one of those answered prayers. And this always interests me because I feel that people naturally are always drawn to other things. And I would love to know what drew you to more of this Bohemian culture. Do you remember a moment as a child, like thinking like, oh my gosh. I identify myself with this. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And funny enough that I ended up in Hawaii because I used to collect magazines and posters of um, surf sunsets and like actually my shower curtain was of little hula girls no so it's like you the craziest thing you were calling it for a long I was, time I was calling it I was manifesting it but um interesting yes I always associated myself with this bohemian and more intrinsic culture because growing up in Venezuela um, where my mom is from I always had a community of people that loved music and travel and that valued non-material things And so that definitely created a huge imprint in my life. So when I moved here, I was born here, but left Venezuela when I was about a month old. So when coming back at around like nine years old, I had like a major culture shock where I didn't understand the culture here. I didn't understand um, the value on certain material things and and on things that I just didn't recognize. So I think that's kind of where it all started for me. Tristan, you are not from Miami. I'm not from Michigan. Miami. I'm from Michigan originally. <laughs> but you've yes. been living in Miami for how long? So this time it's been about almost three years this time, but I li- had lived here uh, for one year prior. Got okay. It. And then had moved away and now back. And what brought you back? So my husband's job is actually what kind of dictates where we live. Uh, He's a director of of junior golf at a country club here. So he's a golf professional. So interesting. Um, interesting. So we go where he can work and, and support kind of us. And then that allows me to fulfill my dream, right? you know, by not having to worry so much about the day job and the the focus. So Miami was the place where he can make the most money and support us with the good job. So that's where we ended up. And your husband's from Michigan. My husband's husband's from Wisconsin, actually. We met in Los Angeles. Nice. Yes. So did you move? Did you live in LA for some time? I did. So I actually went from Michigan to Orlando first. Okay. I worked at the Disney World for the college program and then moved back to Michigan for about a year and a half and then moved to LA. And then that was, I was in LA and then New York. So every place that you you lived was to pursue. Yes. Every choice that I have made to move away besides the Orlando Disney program um, was to pursue acting. So I, the choices I made moving individually with from Michigan to Los Angeles and Los Angeles to New York was in pursuit of acting. And then since marrying my husband, we've moved some for his job. And Natalia. <laughs> um, what brought you to Miami from Puerto Rico? I have to say that I was before in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Um, I was um, living there for a year and a half after traveling to other countries in Latin America, producing a documentary. Um, and from Mexico City, I arrived to Miami. But I had this notion that I think many of you um, can agree that when you're in a place and your time is up in that place, you kind of know it. Mm-hmm. And I start like receiving um, messages from like signs and everywhere of the next place coming. And for me, it was Miami. I, I knew that I had to come up to U.S., um, after living there, I needed, you know, to make a living. <laughs> <laughs> you needed to go outside yeah, and come to America. Yeah, I needed to, you know, 
yeah. have a big reality check. Um, but when I arrived to the U.S., I was thinking, okay, where should I go? Mm-hmm. And um, after experiencing some healing practices in Latin America, I wanted to be in contact with nature. I didn't want to go to New York. Like, everybody right. that I knew from Puerto Rico is in New York because, you know, that's where a huge Puerto Rican um, community is there. And that's where all my friends were. And I didn't have any friends in Miami. And they were like, you're tossing your life away. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going there because at least I will see the sea and the beach. And they're like, you're not going to be leaving next to Miami Beach. I'm not leaving next to Miami Beach. But I know that I was close to, you know, sunset and I don't know. Um, the water. Yeah, in the water. But for me, it was important, um, as you were saying, to have that link with nature. It comes to a point where um, your your job is, you stop believing that your job is all that there is. Mm-hmm. And somehow you wake up. <laughs> you awaken. <laughs> and um, for me, it was important to be in contact with nature. It's funny because I feel like you and I went through this when Steph and I were, were moving back here from L.A. I mean, I had been in L.A. for 11 years. I moved there when I was 18. The same to pursue mm-hmm. acting. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, it was she thought we were living together. She thought it was crazy because I woke up one morning and I said, we're, we're moving in a month. Like, we're out of here. Like, we're moving back to Miami. <laughs> she was like think this through, think <laughs> this through. And I was like, no, no, I feel it. It was something I think we that I... we both already feeling it for sure. Right. But it was definitely one morning that it was just like tomorrow kind of thing. <laughs> right. Like we were already talking about like we need to, you know... I just pulled the band It's, it's this thing. And yeah. she was just like, no, tomorrow, tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow. And then... And then, yeah, that move is another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> how that happened. But yeah, like it just... Something starts calling you mm-hmm. towards something. Because you're looking for a quality of life mm-hmm. at the end of the day, right? And, yeah. and you said something that really resonated with me. I think with all of us, it's like when it comes to work is not everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think for a long time, I think both of us, and I think a lot of you guys can relate to this, where it's just like of this obsession of just like, this is a career and this is all that matters. And mm-hmm. I don't care what happens around me. I think a lot of things uh, triggered this this decision in, in personal personal things. You know, my grandfather passed away. My father turned 60. Sorry, dad. Um, Like a lot of things that I was missing out on. My cousins were having babies and I'm like, I'm missing out on life and I'm just here chasing this dream and I can really have this dream anywhere. Um, How do you guys see where you guys have moved from place to place? Because you guys are pretty much in creative um, uh, industries. How do you carry that into coming back here to Miami, which I feel has a bad rep? In so many ways when it comes to business, but I would love to know your perspective on that. Anybody can join in at that that time. Well, it's actually interesting because although I always kind of knew what I wanted to do career-wise, I did know that I wanted to mold my career around my life and not my life around my career. And so it was really interesting because moving to Hawaii, I actually felt more of a release to build this thing that I had been wanting because there was less pressure. And so having been here, while I do think that around the time that I moved to Hawaii, there was definitely way more um, opportunity creatively and just industrially here than there was in Hawaii. I feel like that was a mental, emotional and creative release for me to be able to create with no pressure. And then after that, you know, as the time, you know, went by, which I did decide within a month to move back here, (laughs) sold everything and had a huge garage sale. Um, But basically once moving here, I understood that who I was and what I created would happen anywhere. And so upon coming here and in the last year, particularly, that's been a huge revelation to the 10th degree, because even when it comes to matters of creating or making decisions for my life, 
it always comes down to this is the life I want to live. And I set that as like the foundational building blocks. And then how am I going to do everything else around my life so that it fits with those decisions that I've made? So um, I did because I worked with so many people in the creative field that, for example, like acting or like music, you, you ideally have to go somewhere. And I think traditionally it was a lot more like that than it is now. Right. But um, there's definitely this, this pursuit of I have to go here. I have to go there for the Latin American community coming to Miami. It's like the bridge. Right. And so I definitely felt the pressure of that, but wanted to release that as much as possible. So, yeah, I do feel like that's a very... Um, not to plug in, but millennial <laughs> way of thinking, because um, this whole idea of work-life balance, at least in America, really never was a topic. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, we need to work, work and work and work and work. And especially, and I learned that when I started traveling, that I started seeing, you know, there's shops closed at four. <laughs> We're not here for yeah. two weeks. We're on holidays. Like, you know, that I had never experienced that ever, you know? How did you find this way of thinking of this work-life balance? Yeah, it wasn't anything that was instilled um, by my family. I mean, my mom being an immigrant parent and coming here and wanting to make the best life she possibly could. I mean, she was like working and she was a, a dentist in Venezuela, came here, started scrubbing floors as she got her board exam, not knowing English and like having to do everything with the translation, you know, device or a dictionary. And so it's, I've always seen intense amounts of work and heavy, long days. So that wasn't something that was innate already in my culture, but I do know that when I started stepping a little bit more into spirituality, I started to understand and really see what was important in life. Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking, okay, the eternal versus the temporary and really started analyzing all these things that were important to me. And at that point is when I started to actually make decisions based on the things that are worth something, the things that have value, that have longevity. And it was an interesting pull because being far away also meant being away from my family and my loved ones. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a very growing experience in terms of these are the things that I need to grow in personally in the space and the boundaries that I need to give myself right now so that I'm ready to go back to whatever it is, wherever it is, and be able to fully give and be 100% present. And so I couldn't do that before. It's like knowing that at the end, everything was going to be okay. Yeah. Which is sort of how I think we all, I think, align on that, where it's just Mm -hmm. like, no matter where we land on earth, like it's going to be fine. Yeah. And I think I had to make peace with that, with my own career. And Mm -hmm. and I feel like, um, Tristan, you can relate to this, where I, you know, I I didn't book my first major thing for 10 years, like till I was 24. So I really made peace with it where I was just like, if it's not going to happen for me, something else will happen. And I'm going to be so happy there. So I think spirituality is a very major thing. Um, yeah. but Tristan, for, for you, since you, I don't want to say you don't have a choice cause you do have a choice <laughs> if you want to move around. Um, but for you, like, how do you find that sort of sense of like, well, I mean, cause Miami, you didn't have friends and family, right? So it's almost like no. you just had your husband. So how do you like start again? Um, I can't imagine starting again so many times. So, yeah. Well, I mean, we've, I've started again. And then with my husband, we've started again, numerous times and we loved New York city. I'm, we moved there together the first time with a play, which is how we ended up going from LA to New York. And then after our one year in Miami, when he switched careers, cause he was an actor as well, but switched into the golf world. When we moved back to New York, we thought that was it. He had a golf job in New York city. We were going to live like that was it. New this York is city. where we were going to be. We were going to be in New York. And it turned out that he was working 90 hour weeks and had a 45 minute commute one way. And I had to work 60 or 70 hours a week 
for us to survive. I mean, it was right. just the level of survival. Mm-hmm. You don't, and then we never would see each other. You wouldn't see friends. You wouldn't like your life just becomes so small. Mm-hmm. And so when this, the job to bring us back to Miami came up, we were kind of like, money seems really good. And the job sounds great. And we're in Miami again. And what's that look like for my career? And it was really a, a discussion that we had. And finally it was like, whatever happens with my career, I'm going to get to see you. Mm-hmm. I mean, bottom line, I'm going to get to see you as my husband. And right. so we moved back and it's whatever happens with my career in Miami. And there's lots of things that are good about being in Miami with this career. Mm-hmm. And there are some bad things about being in Miami about this with this career. But at the end of the day, I get dinners with my husband every day. He gets days off now. I mean, he wasn't getting days off during season in New York and have a life. We have a life. (laughs) We, we can meet people, we can do things. And it just, it changed everything. The importance in your life becomes so different when you get things that actually truly make you happy. Yeah. I kind of wanted to go back to your childhood because I, I, I'm always really fascinated by that because that has such so much to do with who we become. Uh-huh. You know, I know that we can all relate to that, that moment of like, maybe we are scared, maybe we're uh-huh. not. But were you scared? And how did you just, what made you just be like, I'm going to leave um, Michigan? I'm going to leave everything I know. I So I've wanted, I know I wanted to be an actor since I was eight, nine, somewhere in there. I, that's what I wanted to do. And obviously I couldn't do it in my little town. Um, yeah, speak about it. We wanted to know about it. Okay. <laughs> so I grew up right in the center of Michigan in a little farming community, uh, about 1800 people total. Wow. Um, <laughs> so less than the apartment building that we're currently sitting in probably. <laughs> I think that was the size um, of my graduating class in high school. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I hear that a lot. Yeah. I hear that a lot. Um, <laughs> And so I've always just, I've always known that that was not where I wanted to spend my life. I loved my childhood. It was wonderful to grow up in a community that tight, that close, that, you know, family, big family brunches every Sunday with the extended, entire extended family. It was wonderful. I loved it. And for the 18 years that I was there, it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted more. I, I knew I wanted to be an actor and I knew I had to move to do that. And I knew that I wanted to see more of the world than my little community. And I, I go back all the time and it's great and everything's almost exactly the same. And so it's sometimes <laughs> like I've never left. Um, but I was, I mean, I was very scared and it took doing the college program with Disney to kind of jumpstart that move. It would, the idea of just moving outright was very, very scary to me. Um, and so I applied for, went to college in my local, you know, the nearby college and they had kind of put out this thing that they were like, you can get college credit. You go live at Disney for a year, work there. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let's go. And I signed up and a month later they were like, you have to be down here in like three weeks. And I was like, okay. And it was, so there, it just all happened so quickly that I didn't right. really have a chance to like, to think, to think about it. it. And so I lived there for a year and it was tough and scary and lonely at times. But when I moved back to Michigan, I went with a new sense of like, okay, I can do it. I survived. Mm -hmm. Now let's go someplace that you really want to go and spent the next year and a half saving until I felt like I could afford to move (laughs) to Los Angeles. (laughs) Do you feel if you did, 
sort of just fill out that paperwork for Disney, would you would have done it on your own? Do you feel like that really helped you kind of push you over? I, I think, I don't know if I would have ever, I don't want to say never, right? because I knew that that was something I wanted. But yes, doing that, the Disney was like a, a training wheels right. to going away because I had housing, I had structure, I had a job. It right. was very, everything was kind of guided but it gave me that confidence of like, okay, no, I can go someplace where I don't know anybody mm-hmm. and make friends. Mm-hmm. I can go to a new city and figure it out and navigate and get by. And so it kind of gave me that confidence to just go, I can go do something else, but I can always come back. Michigan is always going to be there. Home is always going to be there. And thankfully I have not <laughs> needed to, to do that. I mean, right. I guess... Not negative to my home, but I've not needed to go home yet. And that's kind of how I just keep going about life is, am I happy? Am I successful? And can I keep doing it for another day? Yeah. That's what, I mean, that's what dad used to say yeah. to me was that. It's like, remember yeah. Miami's always here, but yeah. if you don't go out and venture and really try it out, you're never going to know. Yeah. But you we're know? very lucky in that sense that we always did have parents that supported that. Although right. um, I think this is a question for everyone, but did you ever feel like it was, did anybody ever come across to you that it was wrong for you to feel like this, like wrong for you to want to leave? I mean, I've had this personal experience with some of my friends that are very in the Miami Cuban like community that they're like, even the thought of just like, even being with a man that's not from our mm-hmm. community, it's like, <gasps> you would leave? I mean, like, I, I'm, and I, and it's funny because we're laughing about it, but I really had this conversation with somebody like yesterday. <laughs> it's like, you would marry somebody that doesn't live in Miami? You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh. And this, like, and I'm sure, I mean, anybody can interject in this, like, of an experience that they've experienced this. And how did that make them feel? Did you ever feel like maybe ashamed of wanting to leave? Your home. I, I felt that very, all my life. <laughs> um, in Puerto Rico, it's a very small island. Um, I kind of agree mm-hmm. with what you're saying in the sense that um, at some point in your life, once you continue education, getting to find new opportunities, you want to grow and the market is too small. And um, back then, um, my market was the media industry. So it's a monopoly, like literally back then. I moved, now they have several other websites. But before, <laughs> it was very small. So um, you're... In Puerto Rico. Yeah, in Puerto Rico. So you have this uh, question of, um, like, for example, um, have you seen um, Big Fish? Um, oh, the movie. The movie, yeah. I haven't seen it in a while. Well, I I kind of relate to the character of the big uh, guy in the small town. And um, when Edward comes and he's like, oh, I I cannot, you know, I... They hate me here. And mm. then he's like, well, haven't you thought that maybe you're not too big, but this place is just too small? Mm. Uh, for me, it was like a breakthrough. Well, I felt like a koi fish. Yeah, yes. I felt like a koi fish. Like, that's how koi fish grow when you give them too much space of a pool or a you know, a water, they grow exponentially. Um, so I, I had to take that decision of going out. The thing is that in Puerto Rico, um, we still have an stigma because of our colonial, um, (laughs) our colonial relations with the U S we have an stigma that if you leave, you're like a traitor Mm -hmm. to the Island 
oh, it's like you left us to have a better life in the U.S. No matter if you help them, you know, with money or whatever, mm -hmm. it's like, no, you, you're, you know, there's this sense that still, I, I call it a collective wound that has not been healed mm -hmm. in terms of, oh, people leaving are just leaving us with the mess and they don't want to, you know, they just right. want everything Like they don't better. want to make their country better. They want to yes. leave for something better. Yes. And the thing is that you don't only leave to the to just leave it's, you go to the US which is like worse right, because it's right. like you go to the father it's like you should stay here yeah. so it's like, <laughs> um, but it's interesting because um, you find for example that um, life is like a game of Zelda I sometimes feel like Link is playing with the chickens I always like him with playing with the chickens I could stay for 30 minutes working around the chickens but it's like you can either go that or go the route to save the princess or, you know, <laughs> take all the tests okay. from castle to castle. And I think life is like that. So you are posed with the option of either you stay here, which is okay. You're right. going to okay. have security and everything, but you're only going to grow as much as your environment permits you. Mm -hmm. And I found that here as well. When I arrived, I had the fortune of um, staying in an Airbnb mm -hmm. with a Cuban um, girl. And she was telling me, because I was looking for jobs and everything, it was mm -hmm. hard because I'm starting from new. And then she's like, you, you need to stand on your ground here, girl. Like Miami, the ground is very um, wishy-washy because it's not... Uh, uh, solid solid ground that's interesting because then she started saying about all the energies that float that come afloat when the ground is not solid is that you have superficial um, personalities you have um, superficial intentions because nothing is settled on stone and everybody can leave so um, I just found you know um, referring to what you were saying and what you were saying is life tests you so you either can choose a better quality of life and start constructing a new life in in how is it identifying that it may um, create some obstacles and carry some sacrifices but those sacrifices are worth going for if you know what you want and you know where you want to be right. and um, I think at the end yes you sacrifice your relationships you may lose some people in the journey you may you know acquire some new uh, friendships you may struggle with the distance with your family but you are becoming a better person just because you took the step forward so you visualized this for you for you you saw yourself in a in in this atmosphere that you were willing to forget about the fear that you were feeling The thing is that I didn't felt any fear. You weren't because scared. Because I was draw, I was draw, draw, driven. driven. I was sorry. No, no, I was no. driven. I was driven by the American mindset because um, in my college years, journalism was very competitive. So it's like you go, girl. You have to be neutral about everything. You have if you want to be a work correspondent, you need to get in there and take all the opportunities. So that kind of helped me. Um, go forward and not be fearful right. of the opportunities. It's like, oh, go to Israel. Let's go there. Let's go to Colombia. Okay. Like mm -hmm. all the opportunities arise and I took it all forward. But what I didn't um, learn 
until just recently is that I was not building a life for myself because the work is not going to pay you back. It's always going to be needing you to satisfy, to satisfy some goals, to be the better in comparison to others. But it's not going to, you know, teach you anything. Um, I mean, it, it, it teaches you the skills and everything. And you need people that are interesting, but it doesn't fulfill you um, in all senses, like holistically. And I had the blur line that, For many years in my life, I considered journalism my passion. I was like, yes, I'm going to continue forward because, you know, working on what I love, this is the best ever. But I neglected my health. I neglected my my spirituality. I neglected my friendships all because I only thought about the next story. Mm -hmm. And that is not living living Mm -hmm. a balanced life. And also, I think the system does not teach us you or teaches us to live a balanced life. Well, not in America. No, not in America. So that's why, like, I... I Agree with you. <laughs> no, and I like what you're saying also about this this desire or this career never being satisfied. It's always hungry for you and it's always going to require your energy, your time and all of your input at all times unless you set boundaries and unless you say, okay, enough is enough. But I can definitely relate to that in, you know, going back to your original question about, you know, feeling a little bit shameful. I don't think that I got, that I got it blatantly direct, like, oh, that's terrible. But I definitely <laughs> would, but I definitely you would get, know why. Yeah, yeah, why? Like, oh my God. you're so terrible. But I definitely got a lot of subtle mockery mm-hmm. around the things that I valued. So it was like, oh, you know, he, you know, hippie Hughie, who like, all she wants to do is backpack <laughs> everywhere. And so like those kinds of things. And so while a lot of my other friends were building careers around a social security retirement, I was like, I want to see the world. Yeah. Um, and so the, the thing, I think where it gets dangerous sometimes though, is that when we do have that other perspective, we could be judgmental mm-hmm. of what's the norm, yes. you know? And I think I was very much like, all right, you get stop pointing the finger mm-hmm. because what you think they're doing to you, you're kind of doing right. in mm-hmm. retrospect, you know? So it was a very interesting dynamic. And even now coming back and still having this, because I feel like I brought Hawaii with me. Or I, I was like, I need to take this Aloha spirit everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Upon coming back, I was like, all right, bring the Aloha, but keep the Aloha sort of like intermingling a little arroz con mango with everything else <laughs> that already exists here because you want it to co-live and not necessarily create a war against what already exists. So, but I found that there was less resistance upon coming back because um, there's also been this interesting line between the Miami that I grew up in, which was geographically, I guess, segregated, which is what I call the Hialeah Miami Lakes area, to living in an area where there's like Wynwood and Miami Beach. So even now being back in Miami, I live in a place where there is a lot of transient and transplant people. So it doesn't feel like the Miami that I grew up in, where everybody was from here and everyone's family was here there was like a sense of less diversity at that point, which I don't feel is the case anymore. So it's a very different experience being back. But I also think we were talking about this earlier of just, okay, there's so much, I think anybody could say, even in Michigan, there are things in your backyard that for some reason, sometimes we don't have this curiosity or maybe not trained to have this curiosity of exploring. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that for sure Miami has definitely changed a lot. But I also think there's so many things that are here. Like, you know, 
we're sitting across for for the podcast listeners, but we have <laughs> we have a beautiful view right now of the skyline of, of Miami, mm-hmm. and there's the Freedom Tower there, and there's a museum there that has so much history of when the Cubans came over here and, mm-hmm. and all of that. And I sit here watching the beautiful architecture, but I've never been to this museum yet. I've lived here, what on and off for twenty seven years. You, you know the museum, yeah. <laughs> But it's like a matter of like when you're like living in a place, you don't explore it to like it's, but if I go to Europe, I'm like, oh my God, I need to see every museum. And then it's like, but that's so interesting. It's like, it's also, I think it's, it's sparking this curiosity in all of us as far as being present, wherever you are and really knowing where am I? What is, like, where does this place come from? Like, Julia Tuttle. Like, yeah, this was yeah. the first city founded by a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, probably the only city in I America. I didn't know this till two you know, weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the highway. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. That has so much more yeah. meaning. Yeah. So I had no idea. It's also like, we and and that took me coming back to Miami mm-hmm. to be like, you know what? It's, it's, I definitely appreciated it a lot more. You know, why am I so interested in the world? And I still very much am, yeah. but like, it's like, we should also be interested in where we came from and really, really know that. Actually, every time friends come visit me now, and particularly one of my close friends that flies in and out all the time from upstate New York, she comes and, you know, we'll take her to go eat at my godmother's house in Hialeah. And she'll be like, Oh my God, look at the chickens in your building. They're just like everywhere. This is so cute. And you know, I'm like, that is not cute. But you know, I'm sure you would feel the same way. If I went to Michigan and went to your small town, I'd be like, oh my gosh, look at all this farmland everywhere. And I'd be so excited. And so I think there's something to be said about that. And like just being able to put on new and fresh lenses. It's taking people. It's take, it's having visitors. Yeah. Um, cause I was, you kind of had touched on a little bit about your attitude back towards people. Yeah. And that was something that I have really over the course of my life kind of looked at in my yeah. own behavior because in my teenage years, I know if I was a brat in my mm-hmm. middle school, high school years about, well, I'm going to move away and mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to have a life that's bigger than this. And mm-hmm. I, and it, right. and that's not fair to it all anybody for the people that stay, you know, and, but on the other hand, I still have a cousin that when are you going to move here and have your babies? (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's not what's going to happen. But every time, I mean, she's to her, she still can't get it through her. that This is the life I want, you know? So it's very funny, but it's taking someone to see, to appreciate where you're from. When the first time I took my husband to my hometown, you know, cause he's like, Oh, I'm from a small town in Wisconsin. I was like, no, you're not like, you're not, you're not from a small town. Like I'm from a small town. And it was a big argument. I, I'm from the smaller town. You won that one. Uh, I won that one. I did by a lot. And, uh, so I took him there and we did all the things that I did as a kid. You know, you're driving through the dirt roads to go bar to bar. You're hanging out at the two places where, you know, everybody in there and, you know, and it was just kind of fun to appreciate that camaraderie that the entire town has with someone that's never experienced something like that before. And for, you know, for him to just, cause he grew up in a farming community in Wisconsin as well, but it wasn't quite the same in terms of size that, you know, how small and, and connected we are. Um, but it was, it was taking him there for me to really just kind of go, this is unique. Like, this is not, 
this is not a normal situation where I can walk into a bar and be like, oh my, Tristan, when did you get in town? And the whole bar is excited that I walked in, you know, or my sister gets, oh, oh, I thought you were Tristan for a second, you know, because we look just enough alike. And it's, that's a very unique experience. So it was fun to, to take him there and kind of experience that. Cause I do it in every city. I mean, you, you were like, of course you've been to that museum. I do. Like, yeah, I love doing stuff like yeah. that. And I never really looked at my own hometown through that same lens of like, yeah. what's unique about it? What's different? What's its that's, own? That's, I think, the common yeah. thread, like, yeah. I, at least for me, yeah. like, that resonates a lot. And I think a lot when I talk to people, it's like they always want to get out of where they're from. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's always the grass is greener on the other side, mm-hmm. you know. But I wonder what it would take to actually get to that place where you see fully things with fresh eyes. Because I feel like it's kind of like there could be... I don't know, like a, a bag of garbage sitting right in front of your door and you pass it every single day and you don't mm-hmm. even notice it. Yeah. And at least I'm like that sometimes. And my husband will be like, oh, I left that there for you. And I'm like, you know, I can't multitask. I'm thinking about <laughs> yeah. one thing. There's nothing else going on around. And so I wonder how much of, of like our human nature is in just seeing these things every day and seeing them as like common and mundane, things that we wouldn't appreciate. I think we're just not, I think a lot of us are dealing with issues of being present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we all are living in worlds inside of our heads for many reasons, but, <laughs> and, and of course it's nice to daydream and stuff like that. But I think of, of what I've experienced my personal self and just hearing like people and watching, observing people, we're so not present. Yeah. We're really having issues of being present. We're always time traveling, but either to the past, worrying about the, what's happened in the past or focusing on what's going to happen but in the future. One common thread I've seen is everything's career-based. Everything, mm-hmm. every decision, every move, every sacrifice is career-based. It's yeah. what we're taught. But have you noticed also that? how, like, for example, if you travel somewhere, let's say you go to somewhere like Guatemala or like Peru, a place that's very colorful in culture, right? Mm-hmm. And in textiles and all these things. The first day you get there, you're like, oh my God, this is overload. And, or like the first time I went to Morocco that I saw like all the lanterns everywhere and these colorful plates. And I was like uncultural, colorful, delicious overload. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself for like a week here. And I literally thought I was like, (laughs) and then like the second day I was still like really excited, but I was like, oh, okay. I saw those lanterns yesterday and I saw that thing. And then by the end I was like, I've seen it all. Like I'm ready. And so there's like a, a desensitizing mm-hmm. that I think regardless of being present, because I, I felt super present the whole time, but I feel like every day I appreciated different things. Mm-hmm. And so the first couple of days I appreciated sensory things. Mm-hmm. And by the last several days, I appreciated intrinsic things. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking more about my journey and what this experience was right. like and what the people I had met and all that stuff versus the first three days. Right. I was just like, everything around me is amazing. <laughs> you know? right. So Yeah. I think it relates back to the point of, in the beginning, you were saying something that hit me. <laughs> it was about how to create a life. It's like we're not taught to create a life. And those that not only awake are awake, mm-hmm. um, they are starting to find how to make their lives meaningful and how to live with intention. Be- beyond being present, right. I think we disregard that sometimes everything is with intention. And we do not see like 
we have these museums around us and all the beautiful things around us because we're always, oh, I'm with the intention of going to a meeting. I'm going with the intention to, of going to a podcast. And I have not seen, like, for example, when we arrived, these amazing um, flowers. So right. it's, it's, there was intention put here. So um, I think it's also about not only putting the new lenses on, of when you arrive to a new place in your own home or in your mm -hmm. surroundings, but also be intentional. Today, I'm going to really be open mm -hmm. right. to mm -hmm. whatever happens around me and start mm -hmm. noticing every once in a sure. while, like the lady that's always, you know, yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> Why is she there? But the other thing um, that I want to share is that um, my friends in Puerto Rico, I was like desperate trying to find friends here when I arrived. And everybody that I knew directly were in New York. So my friend recommended me some Puerto Ricans that were living here, but I never met. And when they invited me to their home, we're like, hey, girls. <laughs> I don't know why. It was amazing because for like three years, I met people that I don't know anything about them, but we spoke the same language. Even like culturally speaking, like I, I don't necessarily have to say, oh, give me coffee or like, hey, how's your day? They just share like there's instant connection mm -hmm. and I think there's something precious about that um, that beyond looking outside of traveling the world and yes it's beautiful to, to look at um, different cultures when you go outside of your comfort zone you learn to appreciate things that connect you to home right. and um, I think that For me, that was it. I was like, now she's my best friend. <laughs> But it's, it's right. you know, the small things that the accent, mm -hmm. the food, the that makes connection. And when you're living leading an intentional life, doesn't matter if you're from Puerto Rico, if you have the same uh, views and you make food with intention, if you make these beautiful arrangements, I kind of can relate to that mm -hmm. and connect with you as a human being mm -hmm. without you being from Miami or that's beautiful. Yeah. So yeah. It's, that's, it's really interesting that to say, to be present and open-minded and to, to, to do those things. I wouldn't be here had I not done something that was totally uncomfortable and out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Doing the cruise that I first met you guys on yeah. was horribly outside of my comfort zone. I didn't, I did not want to be stuck on a boat for seven days with a bunch of strangers. Like that oh sounded, God, yes. sounded like a nightmare to me. Yeah. I mean, in in my own, and I was like, no, this is, you know, sometimes you're gonna have to travel for acting job. This is something right. you're gonna have to do. Just go do it. Just be open and present and. Do it. Do it. And, and if you get off the boat in seven days and nothing has changed in your life, it's okay. Because that's going to be the worst is that nothing changed. Mm -hmm. And instead, I met a whole group of amazing yeah. people. And amazing. it was just, it has truly changed my life because my tribe in Miami has expanded exponentially because of that one cruise. And, and that one decision, that one moment of just going, I'm going to do this alone. Like, cause my husband was supposed to go with me, but he couldn't get off work in time. Like my agent was going to book him to go with me and he couldn't. And so it was like, do I do this alone? And just by saying yes, it changed exponentially and it's doing that. And I think that that's something that we all have to do in our everyday life just to, 
you know, step into the fear, step, to just step into it and to experience what the world has to experience what every little moment can present to you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I have tried to do uh, with all of my moves and things is just to step into that moment. And it's worked out pretty well so far. Yeah. And that's interesting too. Like as you're talking about being present and how that's such a missing gene mm-hmm. in like mm-hmm. our cultural atmosphere right now. And as you were mentioning, just being present when you pass this or when you do that, because you're always on the way to something Mm -hmm. or you're with some kind of roadmap and you have some kind of agenda. And so I think that's an interesting point, even when it comes to Miami, because we do have the long distances to travel sometimes and the things that we have to do and just being able to say, where can I create some margins so I can just enjoy and be present and do the museums and go explore areas that I don't know what the heck I'm going to find, but I'm pretty sure I can probably find something fascinating. And so I, that was a huge takeaway for me. So thank you. Both. <laughs> and no. the thing about fear is that um, what you were saying, street, like also, <laughs> because um, when you say to fear, boo, it disappears. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, we need to identify that there's fear oh, yeah. because we sometimes leave it like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm fearful, uh-huh. but you right. never like face it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So why do I have this fear? Right. And the second is like, you go into a cruise is, as many of the podcast um, listeners <laughs> may be uh, feeling is that if I go forward with this decision, what I'm going to lose? Like, you have two options. You can either see that way or see what you're going to gain. Mm-hmm. And we are ingrained from our culture to think about the bad things because that's also how the mind works it's also looking for survival mode it's like don't do that because you're gonna you know lose your parents or lose your house or it always is about the minus not what you're gonna gain right, yeah. right. and what you were just saying yeah. was beautiful because it's like you got into a cruise and look at the amazing community mm-hmm. that you found and you if you didn't go forward through the fear mm-hmm. you will not, you know, have those amazing memories. So I I think this is a perfect way to actually end the podcast because it was so powerful. But I think I would love for each of you guys to give our listeners a piece of advice for people who are going through fear and really are afraid to take that first step. Yeah, I think I would say that um, fear is always based on the potential of failure. And I think failure isn't that people would respond poorly. I think failure is not giving them anything to respond to. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that would be my advice. It's good. Um, I would, I would say that it's, it's okay to be fearful. I think that we are taught to, that it's so negative and that you should, mm-hmm. that if you feel fear that you should listen or trust it, or at least that's kind of what I've always kind of felt. Um, and in taking control of that and going, okay, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. And then just keep moving forward mm-hmm. through it is one, you're fearful less the next time. Um, but it, it gives you power. It gives you strength to just go, yep, I acknowledge you. And then keep going. It's like feel the fear. And do feel it. it. Anyway. Feel <laughs> it. Feel it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and- Yes, basically live a cheerful life <laughs> with intention and don't let fear um, be bigger than your dreams. I think that we overestimate fear and we underestimate our capacity to fulfill our dreams. So I encourage people to cherish their life and 
eat intentionally. <laughs> Very beautifully said. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for Thank joining us on this Millennium Women Talk Contributors Roundtable. I hope you guys enjoyed um, this podcast and this conversation. I certainly did. Mm-hmm. And I think I definitely did. I learned a lot. <laughs> I, have, I have a lot of takeaway moments. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for Thank everything. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Yes. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can learn more about our inspiring Miami contributors and how you could be featured in your own city by visiting wearemillennialwomen.com. We encourage you to continue the conversation with us on social media at We Are Millennial Women. We love to hear your thoughts and perspectives because your voice matters. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you never miss a Millennial Women Talk. Always remember to keep being the strong, amazing woman that you are and never forget to live inspired. Until next time, MW. Always love Melissa and Stephanie Kirkcaldy.